Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings you the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Selecki. And this week, we are recapping the biggest moments in racing this year. Before we get started, we'd like to thank this year's sponsor, Moto America, for being our partner in our program and uh, really a great program they have running. Check them out on MotoAmerica.com. They've got so much to offer, wonderful coverage, and you can catch every race all season long if you can't make it out to an event. And if you do, they have wonderful venues and wonderful events. Definitely a great partner for Pit Pass Moto, and we appreciate everything they've done for us this year in 2021. Speaking of Moto America, let's kick things off for our season review. Moto America, it was a really vitalized and uh, strong series this year. Really enjoyed watching every event. And they had a lot of new venues this year. They added Brainerd and the Ridge and a lot of new programs added to the racing with the Bill Train Race Program with Royal Enfield. And one of my favorites, the Bagger Class, which was uh, they couldn't have enough of those. So Moto America was punching up and bringing up uh, just a new focus to the series. Absolutely, Dave. It seemed like it was a very international series. You know, one of the observations I was noted before we came on here today was just uh, – you know, how many riders there are from all over the world, South Africa in particular. So the series has definitely taken on a little bit more of an international flair. On the superbike side, I have to say it was uh, Jake Gagne. What an amazing season. Totally dominating the Moto America Superbike class. 17 wins on the season to take his first Moto America Superbike title. Unbelievable. Yeah, I thought that was an amazing stat. He won 16 in a row, which puts him in, uh, you know, rare company. Guys like Doug Poland, Scott Russell, Eddie Lawson, and his boss of the series, Wayne Rainey. You know, he clinched the title with four races left to run, which was probably a good thing. That final at, uh, down in Birmingham was just a, you know, a complete rain out, and I think that's what killed his streak. Hats off to Jake Gagne, and hats off to Yamaha for a— adding to the title count for 2021. Jake and their program, they were just on the gas all year long and made very, very few mistakes. Yeah, as one person said, the question was, was when was Jake Gagne going to lose this year? As you said, he made it 16 race wins in a row, which is you know, an incredible stat to take the, the championship over South African Matthew Skoltz, who took two wins, ended up second in the, the final series standings over fellow South African Cameron Peterson, who also took a win to round out the top three in the series. But what a great story again about, about Jake Gagne. He comes from a moto, motocross background, and so you know he kind of took a little bit of a different route to uh, winning this Moto America Superbike title, coming through the Red Bull Rookies Cup, and uh, congrats to him. You know, what a, what a season. Yeah, for sure. And one of my favorite classes to watch in, uh, in Moto America is Twins Cup racing, and that was another highly competitive series, came down to the end. They had seven different winners in the class. Caleb DeCarroll wins it all, 
And for me, the big highlight of the year was seeing that Aprilia motorcycle come into the class and just dominate all season long. They went first and second on the year. It was great to see, and it's it's a race-made, purposely-built motorcycle as compared to a lot of the equipment that they ride in that Twins class, which are modified street bikes. Hats off to Aprilia for bringing game and kind of elevating the series up a little notch and uh, bringing it closer to Supersport. Yeah, exactly. I, I noticed that too, Dave, where well, you know, Aprilia seems to be using that, you know, that class as a testing ground for its bike. To see uh, DeCarroll clinch Aprilia's first Twins Cup title was pretty impressive, and uh, he did that over Matthew Skoltz and uh, Jackson Blackman. Definitely a good series. Another one that seemed like it was a pretty good series, the Super Sport class, where the, pretty much the stats tell it all in that series, where Sean Dillon Kelly dominated with 12 wins, followed by Rich, Richie Escalante with three wins, and South African Samuel Lokoff with one win. But the big news is, from what I'm reading, Dave, is that Sean Dillon Kelly will now make the move to Moto2 next season after signing a two-year deal where he's going to be joining fellow American Cameron Bobier on the American racing team for 2022 under the guidance of John Hopkins, who, uh, who will continue as the team director. So definitely going to be some uh, interesting moves there for 2022. Yeah, it's always great news when uh, when you see riders from the U.S. series go to Europe and uh, really get to make a name for themselves. And really a disappointment for Richie Escalante. You know, he lost his grip on the owning the class. He was the dominant rider. He won 13 times in 2019. He really was uh, was the was the man. And uh, good news for Richie. He signed with X-Star Suzuki for 2022. So we're going to see some more competitive racing in that super sport class, which is ultimately the feeder class for super bikes. So hats off to those guys. Great series of racing and uh, enjoyed every minute of it this year. And once again, we'd definitely like to thank Moto America for its support of Pit Pass Moto this year. Really appreciate their support. The next series we'd like to talk about is the AMA Supercross series. And Dave, I have to say, like, this series just keeps getting better and better. The competition level is absolutely through the roof. This particular season in 2021, we had five different race winners. Cooper Webb, Ken Roxon, Eli Tomac, Justin Barsha, and Marvin Muskan. I can only see this series getting even better going forward into 2022. I don't know what your thoughts are, Dave. Well, it was interesting because in my notes, I had similar thoughts. And uh, for a series that basically only ever started in California, there were no California events for this 2021 season, yet it still had a normal feel and they managed to pull the season off. And the racing was compelling, as you mentioned. Cooper Webb's consistency wins the championship every time. He only missed the podium four out of 17 rounds. So really his worst finish was a ninth in Houston. And uh, he, you know, that was in the first round. So he recovered and, uh, you know, made it a series like the gamer he is. So hats off to him. You mentioned Barsha winning uh, on the gas gas, which was a new ride for him this year. And he finished fourth on the season. So it was good to see and good to see Barsha back and and, uh, competing for wins, which is what we really want to see. Yeah, as you mentioned, Dave, the consistency really was the key for Webb because, you know, Roxon was right there down to about three rounds to go. And then for some reason, he just wasn't able to, you know, put it on the podium again. And Webb, with his, you know, 2 1 finishes at the final round, put a stamp on it to win his second 450 Supercross title over Roxon. 
I can only imagine, though, that, you know, Roxon's going to come back a little hungrier for this year. We seem like we have this, you know, kind of more mature, more relaxed Ken Roxon. I don't know if he had some health issues going on there to where we had those, you know, two bad races there at the end. But I expect to see him up there for sure. And as you just mentioned again, Barsha, he's definitely one of the funnest guys to watch. He seems like he's just got a good vibe going on his gas gas motorcycle right now. He is Mr. Anheim, it seems like. And so I expect to see him up there again come January in 2022. And then another rider of note that I thought I'd bring up is Aaron Plessinger, fifth in the series, moves to KTM for 2022 as Webb's teammate. So I'm expecting to see some big things out of him. I expect a really good series in 22. And uh, on the disappointing side, Eli Tomac, he was just inconsistent in his title defense. You know, he's a defending champ going into into the new year. It didn't start out good for him because he went 13-1-5 in Houston, and it didn't get any better after that. He, you know, he had some flashes, but uh, just didn't look like himself. So he's into a new ride for 22. So we'll see how that plays out for Eli Tomac. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see what he does on the Yamaha. And speaking of Yamahas, Yamahas seemed to own the 250 classes, whether it was East or West. And on the East Coast, Colt Nichols wins his first 250 Supercross title. Mr. Consistent all the way. Every single race, he was on the podium to clinch the title. Young upstart Jet Lawrence and other youngsters like Joe Shimoto, Christian Craig, Nichols' teammate, was in there as well until he was injured couple rounds before the end, which uh, pretty much handed it over to Colt Nichols. But I expect to see Jet Lawrence definitely more in the mix. If he would have been a little more consistent, I think the title would have been a little tighter. Yeah, it's possible. And I and I agree with what you said about Christian because uh, really he won a lot of motos and was on the box pretty much uh, up until the, you know, late in the series where he got hurt at uh, SLC one going into the final. So he didn't actually race the final. And uh, it was kind of disappointing to see. I was a little gutted for him because he's such a likable guy and such a fast racer. And to see Yamaha just just kill it in that East. And uh, speaking of Yamaha, there they did it in the West. Justin Cooper taking the title with 194 points over uh, Hunter Lawrence, uh, Jet's brother. So again, highly competitive series in that West series as well as the East. Justin Cooper has just been really the guy to look at in that class and going into the outdoors, he just was consistent all season long. The West Series, to me, was even more intense because there was, with five different winners, I mean, that was definitely action-packed. Justin Cooper emerged. You know, he seemed to be a little hungrier than some of the other youngsters in the class and maybe used a little bit of his uh, you know, maturity and you know, his, uh, his time in the class to take the championship and uh, continue the, the year of the Yamaha, we can call it, I guess, because Yamaha just seemed like they... <laughs> They had so many wins this year. It was pretty incredible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Next, we'd like to talk about Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross 250 and 450. And the highlights for me was the international flavor of the series in uh, both classes, won by foreign countries in each class. And it was uh, it was good racing all year. And uh, really, nobody, I think, expected Dylan Ferrandez to do what he did as a rookie in the class, let alone uh, somebody just new on a 450 to begin with. But uh, he never missed a podium. And he just proved that he and Star Yamaha really have a good formula going. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do together in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Ferrandez seems, seemed like he upped the ante with his kind of all-in approach, really. It just seems like he did something that, you know, none of the other racers were willing to do and just dedicate themselves to winning the 450 outdoor title. And it it showed. You know, in the big picture, I think this series... To me, it was just great to see the whole series back in its entirety. The environment from everything that I've seen and, and you know heard from other people is the environment at the races was just absolutely electric. You know, the crowds were back. They appreciated the racers. The racers appreciated having the, the fans back. And so it just really, really made for a, a real unique environment. And uh, I, th- I think it's going to carry forward into next year for sure. Yeah, let's hope so. And I think uh, just the action on the track is probably what puts people in the seats as well as it did. We talked about some of these racers before, but uh, Justin Barsha, who did so well in Supercross, looks somewhat resurrected. Just didn't seem to have fire this year. He finished ninth on the season, kind of looked a little bit out of sorts, just didn't have the season we expected out of him. You know, kind of opposite of what we saw out of Ferrandis, for example. Also saw some... uh, some really stellar performances from some from some other riders. Really, it sets the stage going into 2022 and uh, some really highly competitive racing. In the 250 class, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. You know, we had an epic battle all season long between uh, Jet Lawrence, as we call him, J-Law, and Justin Cooper, and it came down to the final moto at Hangtown. It wasn't even the final two motos, but the final moto. And to see those guys go at it and, you know, Full credit to Honda for resurrecting their program after the Geico program shut down, bringing on two strong riders. Yeah, it was cool to see Honda back for sure, kind of dedicating themselves to, you know, getting back in and winning some titles again. You know, I think it's, you look at the stats though, it really doesn't tell the full story unless you look closely at, you know, there's five different winners, you know, in the outdoor series. And one of those people that I think of note is Jeremy Martin, who if it weren't for injuries, you know, I think he might've been in there possibly for the championship. And then speaking of injuries as well, Justin Cooper with his broken thumb that he had, you know, he kind of kept to that under wraps to himself. So nobody really knew that until the series was over, but he had a broken thumb that he was trying to ride through for the final two rounds, which somewhat hampered his performance. But it's hard to say if that would have made much of a difference in the end. Jack Lawrence seemed pretty determined to uh, take the title and uh, he's great for the sport. He's young, he's energetic, just great for the series. Talk about young and energetic. They had a rookie win uh, win a class this year in 250, Jalik Swole on that Rockstar Husqvarna winning at High Point. That was pretty cool to see. And it was awesome to see guys like Cooper and guys like Lawrence going over and high-fiving him and giving him hugs because uh, the rumors were that Jalik was going to give up racing if he wasn't going to move forward. So I think that kind of convinced him to stay and we're happy for it. It's great to see him out there competing with those guys. The next series we'd like to talk about is MXGP. And wow, this had to have been one of the best racing seasons in 
I would even go so far as to say 20 years. The series had so many twists and turns throughout the season. Six different racers took overall MXGP wins in 2021. And of course, Jeffrey Hurlings emerged as the winner-takes-all champion. The series went down to the final round and the final moto. It couldn't have been any better, Dave. To me, that was the, uh, the takeaway of the series, and that specific class was the parody. You know, as you said, the stats say it all. Even though uh, Hurlings won 16 of 36 possible motos, he had six winners in the class. So it just shows that it's highly competitive no matter how you slice it. And for me, watching Hurlings mature into a true strategizing, thinking champion rather than a kind of guy that wins at all costs, love to see it and uh, watch him mature and become the racer that he is. I think big things are ahead and there's some uh, potential records that are being threatened with Hurlings doing as well as he is because he's already at the top on wins in total just beneath Everts. It'll be interesting to see how his career plays out going forward. I don't think the riders are going to make it any easier on Hurlings, though, going into 2022. Tim Geiser, Roman Febra, I mean, I think these guys are, are they're hungry. You know, like I think, you know, Febra was the closest to uh, taking the title over Hurlings. But unfortunately, as we talked about on one of our recent shows, Roman Febra broke his tib fib at an off-season Supercross in Paris, and his return will be questionable for the February 20th start date for MXGP. So it's unfortunate for him. And then, of course, some of the other big stories being Antonio Cairoli retiring after nine world titles, 90-plus Grand Prix victories, and over 270 race wins. Unbelievable career. Big congrats to him. Yeah, for sure. And I understand MXGP retired the 2-2-2, which is a pretty cool move on their part to uh, memorialize Antonio's career. What a, what a great racer he was. And for me, MX2 racing, let's talk about the 250s. It, to me, it was new faces. We saw guys like Godognini, Beaton, K. Wolf, Ruben Fernandez, Ron Van de Moosdijk, Matthias Bosrim. I mean, these guys, never even heard of them. And they're just out there flying. And I worry that they're going to come to the U.S. and go racing because we're we're in big trouble if these guys show up here. These guys are all fast. I'd call it the year of the youngsters, like you said, because there's just so much young talent coming up. Uh, Mattia Guadagnini, who you know won multiple races for Factory KTM, Thibaut Benestant for Yamaha, Kai DeWolf, and uh, Rennie Hoffer, which on that side note, sadly, we did hear just recently our condolences to the friends and family of racer Rennie Hoffer who we just found out yesterday tragically lost his life in an avalanche while skiing with friends over the weekend. And the entire MXGP scene is just absolutely devastated right now on this tragic loss. And not to take anything away, to get back to the racing, unbelievable racing, Maxim Murnau rises to the occasion to give Yamaha another championship over his teammate, Yago Geertz. Next, we'd like to talk about GNCC Racing, which is off-road racing here in the U.S., and it's one of my favorite series. And honestly, they're always great events and a lot of value for the racer. GNCC had another record year for attendance and is looking to expand for 2022. It's just really a well-covered, well-run series, and uh, the racing on the track is just icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's just stellar. Stu Baylor, bring it at home almost just behind Benjamin Kelly. He's been the guy to watch all season. 
had the most wins in the XC1 class, came up just a little bit short in a very wet and wild final round at Ironman. So kind of disappointing and gutted for him, but a good series for Ben Kelly. Good to see him win that championship. He was just rock solid all year. Baylor might have been, you know, he certainly had seemed to have the speed, but uh, starting out with missing, I believe he missed one round, possibly even two, kind of put him at a deficit starting out. So he just sort of, you know, eked away at that, you know, that points gap and brought it down to the last round. But as you said, Ben Kelly emerged as the the champion. Baylor's bike. I don't think he actually made it to the finish in that round. Kelly was able to make it to the finish, wrap up the title. The first one in the, uh, we'll say, the post-Caleb Russell era of GNCC racing. For sure. And we were wondering who was going to pick up the mantle and carry it. But uh, good on KTM for doing what they did. And, you know, Stu, it just seems like the chips are always stacked against him. But he always comes through through shining. He had that uh, points penalty after the uh, buckwheat round going into that final round, which cost him about four points. And, uh you know, like I say, it's always, if, uh, if it wasn't for bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. At least he's willing to celebrate. And one thing we all look forward to are those backflips at the finish line. <laughs> Absolutely. I would go so far as to say that, you know, Baylor's one of those guys that he seems the crowd loves him. He seems to be kind of the people's champ in some ways, and he's always having fun. And uh, even though he didn't win the title, it seemed like a win for the entire series, you know, with so much attention back on it. And speaking of uh, first, Johnny G, the New England Ripper, Jonathan Gerrard absolutely dominates the XC2 class to give Gas Gas the XC2 championship over Craig DeLong. Great series for him. He just seemed like he was on a different level this year with nine wins. Yeah, nine out of 13 wins is is something, and he finished no worse than seventh on the season. And that was even with the wettest round, the Ironman round, which was a deluge of rain. So full credit to, uh, to Jonathan for taking that title and uh, – giving the Austrian brands another win and uh, just really impressive to watch. For me, some of the best racing all year was in the WXC class. I really enjoyed watching them; those girls go at it. And Becca Sheets with seven wins going up against Rachel Archer with six wins came down to the final round and Becca wins the title by one point. It's just absolutely killer series in a WXC class. Good to see and good to see the participation and uh, watch those lady athletes go out there and battle. Absolutely. What a way to take her third title and then immediately announces her retirement from professional racing. So congrats to her on those three titles and what a way to go out. It'll be interesting next year to see who steps up and, and kind of takes the lead in that class. I wouldn't be surprised to see Rachel Archer, as you mentioned, for the Ampro team. And one, one other youngster that I have an eye on that's upcoming would be young upstart Preston Reigns, who's the daughter of uh, past champion Jason Reigns. I saw where she finished seventh place. So I wouldn't be surprised to see her kind of working her way towards the podium here going forward into 2022. Our next series is the MotoGP series. And again, Dave, this seems to add to that year of the Yamaha theme that we've been seeing throughout all these different race series. Fabio Quartararo withstands the pressure of this 18-race all-year-long series to give Yamaha the MotoGP championship. What an unbelievable season for him. It was action-packed and drama-filled. That's uh, MotoGP in a nutshell. You know, we saw first-time winners like Bagnaya, 
and veteran winners like Mark Marquez, who's uh, really, for me, the guy to watch. Six different winners in that MotoGP class, Quartararo, Bagnaya, Miller on his Ducati, Bender on his KTM. He actually got KTM's first win this year. And Mark Marquez returning to the winner's circle, which was great to see after all those injuries. You know, I really, really enjoyed watching MotoGP this year and uh, watching these guys go at it. They're at a very, very high level on very sophisticated equipment. Hats off to these guys for competing. Yeah, it's literally the Formula One of motorcycle racing with those one-off machines that you're talking about. But one thing to go back, Dave, that surprised me was defending champ Joan Murr struggled with absolutely no wins this year in 2021. But really, even more surprising to me was kind of the emergence of KTM and Ducati as, you know, title threats and front runners. Like, unbelievable amount of KTMs and Ducatis on the podium in 2022, making it even more of a unique and incredible series. As it always tends to be, because uh, it is, as you said, the Formula One of motorcycle racing. And to get back to big event winners, Mark Marquez getting back into the winning circle. And it was great to see he won the German round at Ring. And then again, when he came to the U.S. at Coda, he won in Austin, Texas. Speaking of Marquez in the U.S., he's got nearly a perfect record here in the USA. He's got five wins at Coda, three wins at Indy, and one at Laguna. So it's almost nearly a perfect record. And uh, then he goes on and finishes the the round in Misano, Italy. So good to see Marquez back. We need him. He's one of the fastest racers ever, and it's going to just make that series even more competitive going into the new season. Yeah, one thing about Mark Marquez, though, that I am concerned about for 2022, it has been reported that following a head injury incurred during training, Marquez has been diagnosed with diplopia, which is also known as double vision. The eight-time world champion will undergo some further scans and tests on the lead-up to Christmas, and with HRC and Marquez set to make a decision for the future once they find out what happens after those checkups. So that's definitely a little concerning for Mark Marquez's career. We hope we'll be back because without him, you know, MotoGP just won't be the same. Absolutely. And uh, we've talked about drama. We've talked about Yamaha. So we can't talk about those two things without bringing up Maverick Vinales, who started the season on Yamaha, winning the opening round in Qatar. From there, it seemed to deteriorate. And then he went through some drama with the team where he was accused of sabotaging the motorcycle by over uh, committing to the throttle in the wrong time. These guys are on motorcycles that have a uh, very specific limited time that are used on each engine. So uh, Yamaha didn't look take too kindly to that. They suspended him, and then a week later, they let him go. But uh, he immediately turned around and signed with Aprilia midseason. You know, he wasn't always the fastest on the grid, but uh, he is back in the mix. So we'll see. He's a very talented rider, so I'm looking forward to see what he can do in 2022 on that Aprilia and see if he's going to be competitive. So overall, for 2021, if there's one thing that really stood out to me as probably one of the biggest pieces of news, three legends retired from racing this year. Antonio Cairoli takes his leave from MXGP after an incredible career. Valentino Rossi, another absolute legend, retires from MotoGP. And then in American racing, Zach Osborne decides that it's time for him to retire from AMA motocross. So unbelievable seasons and careers for these three racers. And we'd like to give them a big shout out for their fantastic careers and all the best in life after racing. For me, the 2021 season was all about Yamaha. They won pretty much all the major titles, taking home nine in total. 
absolutely stellar performance on their part. We'd like to give a big pit pass moto shout out to these guys. They won the MotoGP title, World Superbike, 450 MX, 250 Supercross East and 250 Supercross West, the Superbike title, the MXGP 250 title, and also the 450 single flat track title. So good on you, Yamaha. It was great to see, and it's the thing that I'll remember most about the 2021 season. We'll be taking a break for the holiday season, but we'll be back with new episodes beginning January 6th, just in time to preview the kickoff of the 2022 Supercross series. Thank you for tuning in to Pit Pass Moto this year. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our latest blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm Dale Spangler. Thanks for listening and see you in 2022. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.